All right. Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams, and I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. Merry Christmas. Uh, we are currently teaching through a series called The Advent, working our way chronologically, verse by verse, through the Christmas story. From the from the rumblings with the angel appearing to Gabriel, uh, the angel Gabriel appearing to Zacharias, excuse me, pronouncing the birth of John, Elizabeth, who's barren, bearing a child, uh, all the way through the wise men coming and, and the kind of the fallout and what happens. We're looking at the whole story. Uh, so if you're local, check us out. Again, our, our service at Calvary 316 is at 1030. You can learn all about the church by going to calvary316.com, which is our website. If you're not local but looking for a good church that you can watch online, uh, our live stream, easiest place to find it is calvary316.live. That is a quick link to our YouTube channel. I, 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 I do want to open um, the episode tonight on a bit of a, a somber note. Um, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And today I went to McDonald's to order the McRib and it wasn't there. They no longer were carrying it. I thought this was going to be serious. That so, has got to be the using Lord, the Lord's name in vain a, in some way. Miracle. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And it's in these moments that you take a step back and you say, blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm joined, uh, as always, in studio by the man that needs no introduction, Scrooge McDuck, Creighton Vaughn. How you doing, buddy? Uh, my heart's racing at about 1,000 miles a minute right now because we decided to change things at 7.55. But I'm doing well. How are you? Well, we decided to do some throw lights kind of behind. We're experimenting around a little bit with the uh, with the look, making We're some changes. We're trying to look better. We're trying to look good for y'all. We're making so it's some, also y'all's fault. Making some changes for the new year we're looking at. And it's like, well, this is a special Monday edition. First time ever that we've had a Monday Outlaw Radio. A, sure a Monday enough. madness. I mean, it is madness. Monday. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, let's experiment around, and we kind of cut it short, but it's okay. You're good. Hey, Explain gonna, to the audience how, be fine. how this nonsense works. Uh, so basically, we're going to have a topic brought up. Uh, Zach will have to teach a Bible study or talk. We might have a discussion. Kind of depends on the way the show goes. It gets crazy sometimes um, on whatever that topic is. Usually it's Bible-focused. Um, sometimes it's you know weird things that happen in the Bible. Sometimes it's just a Bible passage. Um, and then Zach will talk about it for a little while and then we'll open it up for discussion. And then you guys can comment on our discussion or on what you have to say about what we're saying on either Facebook or YouTube, um, which you can find if you're listening to the podcast, um, at outlaw.outlawradio.live is the easiest way to find us. That's our YouTube um, channel. Yes. That's our YouTube channel. Our Facebook, Facebook is slash the radio outlaw. Hey, you got it. I wasn't Nailed sure it. if you were going to have it. <laughs> yeah, I got it. You didn't need to interrupt me. Ha. Email address, um, email address. Uh, the email address is popecrayton at gmail.com. That is another way that you can interact with us. If you want to send us questions, comments, or concerns, uh, that is Pope, spelled like the Roman one, and Creighton, spelled C-R-E-I-G-H-T-O-N. Popecrayton at gmail.com. So email us if you have a question. Leave a comment on Facebook and YouTube. If you're listening on a podcasting app that has comments, leave one there. Why don't you go ahead and also introduce the... Uh the other chaps that are joining us, third and fourth chair. So the other chaps, we have uh, Spice Daddy. Spice Daddy, how's it going? Hey, how was your uh, how was your 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 other podcasting opportunity? It's pretty good. Yeah, I really. You're an it. influencer now. I am. Yeah, give him a full on shout out. What's the name of the podcast? Yeah, uh, just Ashley Keaton. Uh, he's on YouTube uh, and Instagram at I think it's Jacko Pot Podcast. 
our Jack podcast. Keaton is he is he Batman's son? Maybe. <laughs> is he Michael Keaton's son? Well, the I, Batman. I don't think I should reveal that if I knew it. Or, oh, true, yeah, true. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but you had a good time. I did. Yeah, yeah. He. Uh, Good guys from the Atlanta area, so he, he focused more on the urban, urban kind of area there. Um, totally fits your brand, no does. doubt. Yeah, <laughs> right. I was fits <laughs> right his, his grandma was pretty cool. She was a she was a uh, a marshal for DeKalb County for a while, so she was a wow door knocker there for a little bit that sounds like a fun job yeah no doubt so you had a good time i did did you promote the outlaw radio show did we we get we got a good solid Uh, unfortunately i couldn't wear my hoodie that i had because i I, last time i think i wore it to uh our numa service and we had spaghetti and i had some spaghetti sauce stains on there and i didn't think that you stained the hoodie wasn't my fault somebody feeding you was someone feeding you uh Look, with great beard comes great responsibility, and mm. with a beard comes the hazards of having a beard, which is food getting into that and then dripping onto your shirt. You should have been wearing a McRib t-shirt. You wouldn't have been. <laughs> You're right. Saying. Hey, also right. join in studio, Isaac. Hello, our, everyone. My our name, organ Dexter. Yep, I am here fulfilling my dexterous role. Um, I was I, disappointed you, you didn't wear flannel on Sunday. I wore a flannel shirt. We were both on the worship team Sunday. I was like, I'm going to rock flannel, and you didn't. Well, I kind of have a thing going. Uh, when I play the guitar, I wear my football mom sweatshirt. <laughs> oh, that's so, that's that's your go-to. So, yeah, you kind of – next we're, next weekend. We're going to need to get you either a Calvary 316 hoodie or an Outlaw Radio hoodie. That, if there was a hoodie up there, I would have worn it. That's going to – Creighton, make a note. Make Outlaw a note, 316? Creighton. What? You said – I sorry, I got distracted – uh, Justin, apparently you're very quiet. Let's pull the mic closer to your mouth. Oh, sorry. I mean, you, you're like an influencer and you don't know how to talk into a mic now. Give us a check one, too. Yeah, check. you were on Jocko's I, podcast? Yeah. You know, project. Ja- Jacko, Jacko's Jacko. podcast. Jacko. I, I think I'll, I'll pull Jacko it Willing. In, in, can you uh, hear him? Do we get enough audio? I can hear him in my ear. I got a text about it. I thought I was good. That was definitely better. Let's go with that from moving okay, forward. Okay, unless... Hey, Jack thank you, product Pop. production from those online, shooting text messages to Creighton, saying <laughs> I need more Spice Daddy the in my life. Jack Podcast, J-A-K Podcast on Instagram, and then on YouTube is the just Ashley Keaton YouTube channel. Does he ever have his grandma on? Because she sounds pretty interesting. I don't know. He's got he's got way more videos than we do. So okay. I, that's I a lot of videos. Challenge accepted. We got to get those numbers up. Challenge accepted. <laughs> those are rookie numbers. Got to get right. those numbers up. <laughs> so any uh, so what's great about the Outlaw Radio Show? The way that we live stream it. So we'd love to interact with you, the audience, and we've had great interaction uh, as of late. And so let's keep that up. Again, Monday night, different type of a show. Uh, Creighton, anything on the interwebs before we get rolling here? Not yet. All right, so we had a question. Um, I had I had a whole topic lined up for, for today. Uh, I even <laughs> floated it to Creighton. It was wild. It, it is wild. And we might just have to push it to next week, maybe even the first episode of the new year. Um, but I had a dream last night that was incredibly vivid. Was I in it? N- you were not. Creighton was. Mm. Creighton was. You weren't, Spice Daddy. Um, but I had this dream. For the and record... I- when another when a grown man looks at you at 9 a.m. and says, I had a vivid dream last night and it, you were in it, it, the conversation can only go downhill. Okay, so Creighton, I should give some context. Creighton 
and our buddy Kyle uh, decided they both work from home, but they were like, hey, we want to work somewhere else. Can we just come to the studio and just kind of hang out and work remotely from here? I was like, hey, that's great, guys. Monday, I'm in the morning. I take my son to school at seven. And then sometimes I get home, go back to bed. Today, I, I just had a pot of coffee. I anchored down. So the boys showed up early. And I'm sitting there in my chair in the kitchen. And I was like, Creighton, I had a dream. <laughs> Justin, I'm telling you, this dream was so vivid. I remember every part of this dream. In fact, my subconscious, I was cracking jokes I've never thought about before. The dream is that I was given the opportunity to speak at First Baptist of Snellville, which is where I grew up. Big mega Baptist church in Snellville, hence the title. Um, and and like and and I went to speak. Creighton was with me, and I decided I'm in like a three piece suit because you know of course I would be in Snellville. It's yeah. Snellville, and um, and I decided I was going to preach on uh, race. <laughs> And in and and an old Lily White Baptist church that's now in the ghetto. Um, I was going <laughs> That's to, a very good description. Yeah, I was going to preach on race. And uh, I even opened the service cracking a Martin Luther King Jr. joke. I remember the joke. I've never told this joke before in my life. But I did my subconscious in my dream. And then I made a really profound, I thought, pretty profound point about, you know, holding, like, that we should be apologizing for the generational sins of our fathers, our grandfathers, you know, and uh, and I and I I make this profound point, and then I go into this great diatribe about race. I teach about race. I don't know how it turned out, but I got like the first fifteen minutes of this sermon, and it is I'm not kidding. It's etched in my brain. Maybe this is one of those string theory things. Maybe I'm doing that right now. Right in another universe. In another universe. Can you tell the joke? <laughs> Okay, so the joke was, is so I, I got on stage um, and I had this three-piece suit on and I had a headset mic and they were trying to find out how to plug it in. But we had left our receiver um, somewhere else because it's old and we figured nobody would be using that anyway. And, and that stuck in my mind because I think John told me that our receivers at the church are old. That was, so that was in my subconscious. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't have that. So they were trying to wire me up and I got, I was all getting tangled up and I was like, this is not working guys. And it was all cluttered on stage and they had like a pulpit mic. And so finally I got frustrated. I was like, Hey, do y'all just have a handheld. I just, I'll get off the stage. Just give me a handheld. And again, I'm in my three piece suit, big old fat tie. And uh, so they give me a handheld and I, I jump off stage. I get down on the floor with the people and I say, good God almighty. I am free at last. And everybody started joking and and i and i go i just made that up that just literally just came to me and i go ah you can't make martin luther like no you can't steal a martin luther king jr quote again he told and, me this story at 9 a.m yeah anyway and it, it goes from there so i had this whole thing a dream it was vivid, vivid and i feel like that that should be a conversation i, I want to talk about race at some point and separation of race and how this all comes together and i have some interesting thoughts i want to talk about it i can't see that going downhill at all i'm on board but but you know but before we get canceled i figure we should talk about christmas uh, because we want to honor like when someone takes the time to submit a question uh through pope creighton at gmail.com uh i think it's we should honor that by like hey they submitted something it's relevant it's christmas 
And we should talk about that instead of my crazy dream about race, which will be coming soon. So that's kind of a tease to a, a future episode. The question was, what do you got? I thought I was going to ask a question. Tonight. Well, you got to get to your question. I do have a question about race. So <laughs> we can tie that in. We can tie that in later. So the question that we got through the emails was, is Christian, is Christmas, I said Christian, is Christmas a pagan holiday? And, um, and unequivocally, I, I that, we should just cut it off right now. I Say wonder what? Nothing. where that question came from. It wasn't this Creighton. guy. I want it very clear. I don't think that Christmas is a pagan holiday. I think it's whatever. I'm just not a fan. You're Scrooge McDuck. We, I we've, sure am. We've covered that. Bah humbug. So I, so I, I want to talk about Christmas. I want to talk about Christmas from a couple different angles. I actually want to share a new thought about Christmas uh, that I've never had before, um, and I've never shared it before. I've never discussed it. And, and in fact, it even contradicts uh, previous Christmas episodes of the Outlaw Radio Show because I'm going to kind of like take a whole nother take, throw a whole nother idea out there. So buckle up. That'll come a little bit later. I'm going to kind of go on a little bit of a thing about Christmas. We'll get your question. Isaac, as the fourth chair at any point, you want to interject, grab my attention, and uh, and share your thought, ask your question. Same with you, Creighton. Uh, Christmas, man, you know, it's really interesting. Um, it is a cultural phenomenon. And, and I was just doing a little reading about some of the statistics about Christmas. And I, I want to share a little bit. 95% um, of Americans celebrate Christmas. You, you want to take a guess at how many Americans participate in Christmas by exchanging gifts? Any, any, a percentage? 95%? 93%. Close Very enough. close, which is kind of interesting. 95% celebrate Christmas, 93% participate by exchanging gifts, which means that there's a 2% group of people. They're like, I'm into Christmas. I'm not giving you anything. <laughs> I kind of like those that 2%. I think that's a, a classy group of people. Um, how many, what percent of Americans do you think put up a Christmas tree? 85. 88. That was close. Mm. What percentage of Americans will attend at least one Christmas party? Hey, you've got one coming up, Craig. You're a Scrooge. You've got one coming 93%. up. Ninety-three <laughs> percent. Isaac, you got a guess? I'm gonna say seventy-six. All right, Creighton, your turn. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go low, but still high. I'm gonna go solid eighty. Seventy-four percent. Isaac okay. is the closest. Hot dang. Yeah, Oregon. Or, Do I get a McRib? Oregon deck. No, they, we don't have them anymore. Did you not pay attention I to the open? I would have thought that you would have a nice little uh, 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 like, collection in your refrigerator. They don't. They don't reheat well. They don't. I'm they don't freeze well. True, they don't. You know what you're telling me? You're not a true fan. Yeah. Well, no. Based okay. on what they're made of, they Man. probably last for a long time. That's true. That it could be your ultimate apocalypse food. From what I know about restructured meat, and that's a lot. Okay. That's true. You've had a lot of restructuring. They reheat very well. Okay, very well. I told them. <laughs> that was, was that a Donald Trump. That was uh, yeah. That was a man. Well, you know he likes McDonald's, so oh that was man, appropriate. that was not bad. Not bad. Not really, kind of caught me by surprise. I've had a long time to practice. I was kind of blown away by this one. How many? What percentage of Americans uh, attend a religious service? Uh, one dollar, Bob. One dollar pop. That wasn't the, wasn't the question. Uh, what percentage go to a, a, a religious service? 60. 55. 47. 
65%. Mm. Scrooge over there, you got it. Nailed it. Sleep down, Scrooge. Okay, how about this? In the month of December, what's what percent increase is there in alcohol consumption? Oh, 100%. Or 100%. <laughs> That's a little steep. Speaking personally. What percent <laughs> increase of alcohol consumption in the month of December? 50%. Okay. Spice Daddy, you got a number? I'd say probably like 60, 65%. Man, you guys are pretty high. Yeah, 40%. 40%. still high. Heart-related deaths in the month of December increased 5%. Murder rates jumped 4.2%. Murder? Murder rates in the month of December. That's um, the spirit of giving right there. This is, <laughs> this is not a fun stat, but we're going to go with it. There is a third more incidence of domestic assault occurring on Christmas Day than any other day of the year. Dude, those gifts really should come I mean, with batteries. Ungrateful kids. Right. <laughs> ungrateful kids and batteries and putting together bicycles. Um, January 8th is the busiest day of the year for divorce attorneys. January 8th? January 8th. They New cite, Year's resolution. They cite, right, New Year's resolution. They also cite... That's where the ring came from. <laughs> they cite one in five couples inquire about divorce, citing specifically the pressures of Christmas. That's wild. Tis the season to get divorced. Um, 18% of Americans agreed with the following statement. You, this is going to resonate with you, Creighton. I dread Christmas. Agreed. Almost one in five Americans. So the question, is America a pagan holiday? It's Christmas. Um, it's Christmas. It's Christmas, a pagan holiday. Um, let, let me run through some of the historical origins. Like, Let's try to unpack some of the, the connections that December 25th Christmas has with certain old world traditions that maybe aren't particularly relevant to baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. I'm going to read some stuff here. Um, in Scandinavia, um, the sun would disappear for weeks during the heart of winter. When the first light was finally seen on the horizon, there was a festival. The festival was called Yuletide. That's where we get Yuletide Carol from. Um, it would be held to commemorate the first light. In this event, people would uh, traditionally tie apples to the branches of trees to remind themselves that spring and summer was soon returning, which is where we get ornaments. That's kind of the origins in Scandinavia. It's the origins of the Christmas tree, ornaments, etc. In Germany, uh, people believe winter came every year because the sun god had become sick. Seems rational. Uh, the solstice was celebrated because the first light indicated that the sun god was starting to feel better. Uh, once again, to mark the occasion, Evergreen trees were brought into homes to remind the children that green plants would soon grow again. And so that's where you get the Christmas tree. We got ornaments from Scandinavia, all tied to kind of like more pagan celebrations related to the end uh, of winter. The end of winter. By uh, pagan, do you mean a specific religion or just? Generally, gener like obviously a, a lot of these come with cultic origins, mm -hmm. but more just I think probably cultural significance of just you know, general celebrations. There are some that are tied to absolute pagan idolatry, whatever, especially we'll get to Rome. But you mean um, pagan just as unaffiliated, unaffiliated with a religious practice. Okay. Um, in Rome, for example, uh, they had a celebration known as Saturnalia, 
it was a week-long period of excessive lawlessness. Uh, it was known for its intoxication, sexual license. It coincided with the winter solstice. Historical records of this celebration describe people going, interestingly, from house to house, uh, singing, naked. <laughs> uh, was not expecting the last part there. Uh, so they were caroling in the nude. In the uh, winter? In the winter. And they would um, uh, consume human-shaped biscuits. So again, this is kind of the origins of, of, of Christmas caroling and gingerbread men, um, etc. Um, when the church merged with the state, um, and that was under the reign of Constantine, um, these celebrations already existed in varying parts of the Roman Empire. Again, for different different areas, for different reasons. Um, in 350 AD, Pope Julius I, quote, and we'll get to this later, decided to redefine the cause for Jubilee that everyone was engaged in with these rituals by marrying these rituals with the birth of Jesus. Pope Julius decided, he proclaimed, that December 25th was the official celebration date for the birth of Christ. So there's always been this argument that you had Rome merging with the state, you had all these pagan celebrations around December 25th for other reasons. And so Pope Julius, to give more cause, religious cause for them, decided to kind of marry the date to the birth of Christ so that these natural traditions regarding the winter solstice would then kind of become incorporated into the birth of Christ. Uh, there's actually no evidence that that worked um, in the immediate. Um, again, this was a long time ago. We, we're, we're dependent upon records. In fact, there's only, I, I learned this, there's only one bit of evidence this, to substantiate that Pope Julius I did this at all. And it's an obscure letter with a lot of debate that dates to the ninth century. So the only evidence we have that Pope Julius did this at all uh, finds its origin in one obscure letter in the ninth century. So whether or not Pope Julius actually did this or not is in historical question. What was known as the Feast of the Nativity, we do have documentation of being celebrated December 25th in Egypt, in some of the Coptic churches in Egypt. Uh, we also find it emerging in the sixth century um, in England. And so that's kind of gives you a little bit of the origins. Um, uniquely, people could bring their traditions, tying apples to trees, bringing evergreen trees inside, uh, caroling, even having human-shaped biscuits. They could do all of these things, but also at the same time celebrate the birth of Jesus. And there was this kind of this this molding together um, of these these various ideas. Um, should be noted the the term Christmas again. Originally, this was the what was it? The, the festival of, of the Feast of Nativity. <clears throat> the holiday would go by a lot of different names cross-culturally. Um, as best that we can, we, can, we can gather, the first evidence of December 25th being called Christmas was in 1038 AD. They settled on Christmas because it was the con contraction of Christ Mass. So it was the religious gathering the religious mass of the Catholic Church that, that happened with the birth of Christ. <clears throat> so you have the blending together of Christ mass, Christmas, uh, derived from the old, the old English. Well, that that's in English. You still see nativity <coughs> in, in like the Latin languages. Like For sure. Navidad, Von Natale. Right. The, the origins of the, 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 
the etymology of the word, the phrase, right. um, has different connotations in, in different places. One of the things that I think is interesting, again, if you're if you're having this honest examination of Christmas, is that um, so the church again accordingly, and we're gonna I'm gonna throw something at the end that kind of backs all this up, but the legend that you had all these pagan celebrations that this new Roman Catholic church wanted to redefine. So they're like, well, let's, let's temper down the hedonism of the winter solstice by introducing this as the birth of Christ. So you can still celebrate, but we're celebrating something else with all these unique traditions, thinking that this would temper it. The opposite actually happened historically. Uh, for centuries, interestingly, Christmas celebrations were, were not known to have anything to do with Jesus and were still very pagan and rowdy. Uh, one historian goes so far as to describe ancient Christmas, I read this, as kind of like our current Mardi Gras. That it was just this kind of pagan thing. It remained pagan, even though Jesus was kind of tied to it. Um, which explains why Christmas, again, church history, um, the biggest opponents of Christmas were actually Christians for years and years and years and years. Um, when the Puritan Oliver Cromwell took over England in 1645, one of his initial platforms was to rid England of decadence by doing away with Christmas. When the pilgrims came to America, uh, they're even more orthodox than the Puritans in their beliefs, like Cromwell, and New England. Jesus' birth was so sacred that they rejected Christmas altogether in protest. Uh, the second governor of, 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 of the New England colony, Boston, uh, William Bradford wrote, quote, I tried hard to stamp out pagan mockery of the observance of Jesus penalizing any frivolity. It was illegal to celebrate Christmas in, in the early colonies. Um, in 1659, the court of Massachusetts enacted a law making the observance of December 25th, other than a church service, a penal offense. There are records of people being fined for hanging decorations in Boston. And for the next 30 years, the celebration of Christmas was outlawed in Boston. Anyone exhibiting, quote, the Christmas spirit was fined five shillings. Beautiful. <laughs> I know, you would appreciate that, Scrooge. Beautiful. Even though it's true, early Americans celebrated Christmas anyway, um, after the Revolution, all English customs, which was Christmas, fell out of favor. Um, it wouldn't be until the first half of the 1800s that Americans began to recognize Christmas at all. So, like, we think of Christmas as, like, this... this Quintessentially American thing. Well, not even quintessentially American thing, but, like, this... We've been doing this for 2,000 years. This is a normal thing. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's no... Like, that's not substantiated, which should be acknowledged... <clears throat> as far as Christmas goes, um, very little is recorded about the birth of Christ in the gospel records. Uh, Matthew has literally one verse. Luke has, what was it, eight? About the actual birth of Jesus. Um, it's not, um, it's not, it was, it's never mentioned um, as being a codified holiday in the scriptures. It's never recognized in the scriptures as being something the church gathered to celebrate. It's never mandated by the Apostle Paul. It's never even mentioned as something that's significant, like in a doctrinal sense. Like now, yes, the incarnation is, but like the celebrate Easter, we, we can make the argument for the, the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. We find that 
happening every Sunday. Um, that's why the church gathered. But the, like the celebration of Christmas is being is not mentioned in Scripture, and so for all points and purposes, like we don't find a lot of um, documented instances in in early church writings of the celebration of 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 Christmas in that sense of the birth of Christ. And then like historically, like it has this really weird arc. And then in America, because it was connected to England in the Roman Catholic Church, a Puritan America after revolution, like we want nothing to do with this. It was not Christmas was not even a uniquely American thing until the 1800s. So I find this a good yeah. point to interject my okay. question. Yes. Why should we celebrate Christmas? <laughs> I hear a lot of questions about why we shouldn't. Like, what is it a pagan? Is it a sin? That that's kind of what we covered on the podcast I went on is is celebrating Christmas a sin. But why should we celebrate Christmas? Okay, I, we're, we're going to answer that, and and I think that that will actually give a really interesting pivot to something yeah. brand new. I'm going to share. But let's get into like again how we have what we have now. Um, again, the question was about Christmas being a pagan holiday, and I would make the argument that today. That's not a really relevant question. Does it have origins in, in certain pagan traditions? Sure. Um, th- that's an indisputable fact of history. But what we in America today view as being Christmas is something uniquely American. And this is where you've got to get to the 1800s and you've got to understand a little bit of the history of Christmas in American culture and and you got to explain what, what it is that, that we have today to then unpack, I think, really your question. Um, <clears throat> the first notable character in this shift from like Americans wanting nothing to do with Christmas to there being a softening is the American author Washington Irving. Most Americans rejected Christmas, but in 1819, Irving wrote a series of stories about the celebration of Christmas in an old English manner. It was called the sketchbook of Jeffrey Crannon. The sketches featured a squire who invited the peasants into his home for the holiday. In contrast to the growing social problems facing American society during the early 1800s, uh, the two groups mingled together effortlessly. It was like the poor and the wealthy and this holiday tradition that brought them together Christmas. What made Irving's approach brilliant was that it presented Christmas in a contrary way that it historically was known. It presented Christmas as this peaceful, warm-hearted holiday that brought with it harmony. He's transitioned Christmas from being viewed as as something raucous to family-centered, a family-centered day that brought this peace and nostalgia, classes together. Enter Charles Dickens. In 1843, Dickens kind of continued the reimagination of Christmas by releasing the classic holiday tale, A Christmas Carol. The story's message of charity and goodwill towards all humankind struck a powerful chord in the United States. Americans slowly began to embrace Christmas as kind of being this uniquely perfect kind of family-oriented holiday, which, again, it had never been historically. Old customs, as a result, started to be unearthed. Over the next hundred years, this country, and remember, America at this point is a country of immigrants. So you have a reimagination of Christmas, and you have all of these immigrants coming from all different places in Europe, 
this melting pot of American society, bringing now this family-oriented thing, their own unique traditions. Um, I'll give you a couple of examples. How immigrants contributed to the Christmas tradition. Ever wondered why uh, we put up a Christmas tree and hang lights on it? When that's not part of the nativity, like if you and you hear that, like what does the Christmas tree and Christmas lights have to do with the birth of Jesus? We have German immigrants uh, to thank for that. Um, historically, uh, the very first printed reference to a Christmas tree in Germany. You want to take a guess when it was? Oh, I actually know this. It's Martin Luther, isn't it? With his candles because he was looking at the stars in the forest. Fifteen thirty-one. Now keep in mind, with the winter solstice in Germany, what was a tradition? To celebrate, like, spring coming back, they'd cut down an evergreen tree. They would bring in that life, the smell. Hey, spring's coming. Winter's been rough. That was a tradition that apparently even Martin Luther um, participated in. Uh, So they would bring in a Christmas tree. That was Martin Luther. Legend states that he was so moved one night by the beauty of the stars shining through the branches of a fir that he, he brought home the tree and then decorated it with candles Seems dangerous. Seems dangerous to share, (laughs) but he wanted to share that image with his children, which is an interesting way of doing it. Um, The 19th century, um, Americans found this tradition um, odd, even pagan, but over time that perspective changed. Uh, the The first record of a Christmas tree being officially displayed in America was by German settlers in Pennsylvania in the 1830s. In the, 19, in the 1850s, Christmas trees started to be sold commercially with President Franklin Pierce the first to place a Christmas tree in the White House, 1853. Instead of using candles uh, with a, a dead, dying evergreen tree being dangerous, in 1882, Thomas Edison and Edward Johnson invented Christmas lights. Uh, 30 years later, the first public display was erected in New York City, still a tradition today. In 1923, President Calvin Coolidge started the National Christmas Tree Lighting Ceremony, which is held every year on the White House lawn. Ten years after that, the Rockefeller Center Christmas Tree Lighting Tradition began. In 1966, the National Christmas Tree Association began providing an annual Christmas tree to the president and the first family. Christmas trees, no doubt, an essential part of the holiday decor. Um, An astounding... 30 million people will buy a real tree. 12 million will purchase an artificial tree. At any given time, you want to take a guess at how many future Christmas trees are growing in American soil? 200 million. 350 million. And they're all in Oregon. And they're all in Oregon. Yes, they are. No, a lot of them, especially here in the Southeast, come from North Carolina. They do. They come from all over. One of my buddies. uh, The pretty ones come from Oregon, though. That's One true. of my buddies used to work on a Christmas tree farm. Is yep. there a hierarchy of Christmas trees? Oh, there's prettier ones than others. Have you never seen a Christmas vacation? Many years <laughs> ago, I think. It's a classic movie. Right. Them getting the Christmas tree. The um the other so so you had like okay, with the Christmas tree, big part of Christmas. Where'd it come from? Well, Germans. German traditions date back really early, winter solstice, etc. That's, that's how it got adopted into this American idea of Christmas, this family-oriented deal. The other example uh, of this is Dutch immigrants. So the Dutch coming to America, 
the development of this Christmas tale, the Dutch actually introduced to America the legend of Santa Claus. Um, historically, St. Nicholas was a Christian uh, priest, lived in the 4th century. It's my hero. The legend states that he was a rich man. He was known for his generosity, but he didn't like to be seen giving gifts. So according to lore, children would go to sweet sleep quickly. St. Nick would come. And give them gifts late at night. Wanted to keep his identity a secret. Uh, the name Santa Claus is derived from the Dutch pronunciation of St. Nicholas or Sinterklaas. Ever wondered where you get Santa Claus? It's St. Nicholas. Sinterklaas. Sinterklaas. Who punched a heretic in the face at the Council of Nice. That's right. We mentioned For the that record, last... that should be the first line in his bio. First line of the bio. Forget Christmas. Punching Arius in the face. I think I think Santa Claus is the epitome of a Christian man. <laughs> Eighteen oh four, <laughs> the New York Historical Society was founded with Saint Nicholas as its patron saint. As such, its members adopted the Dutch practice at Christmas of giving gifts. Once again, enter Washington Irving. In eighteen oh nine, the legend of Saint Nick gained life when his book, A History of New York included for the first time a picture of Santa riding into town on a horse. Three years later, Irving revised his book to describe Nicholas riding over the trees in a wagon. In 1821, William Gilly printed a poem he titled a Santa Claus. In it, he described St. Nick as being a man dressed in fur who drove a sleigh drawn by a single reindeer. In 1822, Clement Moore wrote, an account of a visit from St. Nicholas in which Santa is portrayed as having a sleigh now with eight reindeer. The poem was later renamed The Night Before Christmas. In 1839, copyright, copywriter Robert L. May wrote a poem about Rudolph, the ninth reindeer, titled The Most Famous Reindeer of All. In 1949, Johnny Marks penned the song Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. The song was then recorded by Gene Autry, became a bestseller. It was during the 1890s that the Salvation Army added life to the legend of St. Nick by sending men dressed as Santa Claus into the streets of America to collect donations. By 1920, the image of Santa was standardized to portray a bearded, overweight man dressed in a red suit with white trim. Then, and this is probably the most significant development, in 1931, Santa hit the mainstream of America when Haddon Sundblom, illustrator for Coca-Cola, decided to include Santa and their Christmas advertisements. You're welcome, world, from the ATL. That's right. <laughs> Over the last century and a half, Christmas has grown to the point it's become an American institution. In 1836, Alabama was the first state to declare Christmas a legal holiday. On June 26, 1870, Christmas was institutionalized throughout America. So again, when we celebrate Christmas, an, our American Christmas, yes, there, there are all kinds of things from the Christmas tree to Christmas caroling to gingerbread men, gingerbread houses, um, ornaments on the tree. All these things do have origins into pagan traditions, non-religious traditions. And America has adopted them, blended them into a celebration that also venerates the birth of Christ. Christmas is a very unique American thing. Like what we do as far as Christmas, realize that's basically started in like the 50s, the 1950s. Like our grandparents or great-grandparents were really the first people 
on the planet to do Christmas in the way that we think of Christmas. Christmas is very much this unique American thing. So, so to answer part of your question, um, I think as, as Americans, we can celebrate Christmas in much the same way we do the 4th of July or the way that we celebrate Thanksgiving. Um, that, that like, even if we remove Jesus from it, like people get all bent out of shape. Well, you're removing Christ from Christmas. Well, Christ hadn't really been much in Christmas anyway. Like there is a tradition, a tradition to it. Something that can be fun. Um, our kids love Santa Claus, but we don't do like, we don't lie to them to tell them that St. Nick is like a real person that lives in the North Pole. We approach it in the same imagination of Pinocchio or Shrek. Like, it's a fun thing. My, my daughter, abso- she dresses up like Elsa. She plays like Elsa. Frozen is as real to her as it can be. She knows it's not real, but she has a blast. But do I have to tell her that Elsa's a real person that freezes? Like, does, is that necessary for her to enjoy the imagination of it? No. Like, I, again, that, that there's like we can enjoy these things, keep them in their context, and have fun with them. Christmas caroling, setting up a Christmas tree, exchanging gifts. And, and then also recognizing Jesus, like all of that's fun in the same way. And I, I think we can, we can go too far with it. Um, it's funny, you know, I, and I think this epitomizes a lot of the, the traditional perspective from Christians trying to reconcile all of this stuff. Charles Spurgeon has a great quote on Christmas. He said, he said, quote, we venture to assert that if there be any day in the year of which we may be pretty sure that it was not the day on which the Savior was born, it is the 25th of December. Regarding not the day, let us nevertheless give thanks to God for the gift of his dear son. And that's where most people kind of land when we get into the whole story. Let me totally take us another direction. So I was listening, and and I got to give credit to where credit's due. I actually wrote this down to make sure I, 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 I footnoted it. Pastor Joe Foch is one of my favorite Bible teachers. And he's historical. He's well-read. Um, he, he can, can be, be found on the Get Fed Today app. He can be found on GetFedToday.com. Isaac, you're going to jump in? Yep. No, okay. You were moving the mic back to your face. So, so Joe Foch is one of my favorite Bible teachers. <clears throat> and I was listening because I'm teaching this Advent series. I'm on the treadmill listening to a Bible study. From Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through chapter 2, verse 20. So the first 20 verses of Luke 2. And, and I give that because that's like if you can go to you can go to CC Philly, I think it's .org or .com. Um, you can go to Pastor Joe's teaching archive and you can find this message. In fact, what I'm going to share, I got out of this message and you don't even have to listen to the whole thing. You can fast forward to the 21st minute <laughs> and you can listen to Pastor Joe Foch. Uh, explain what I'm about to articulate. I did a little bit more digging, a little bit more research, but this is the inspiration credit due where credit's deserved. So Pastor Joe is talking about the shepherds in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And he goes, I'm sure you've heard that there's no way Christmas could be on December 25th because of this reason, that the shepherds were out in their fields keeping watch over their flocks by night, and that it was just too cold, that the season for shepherding, the season for being out in the fields, would have concluded, it would have been in the fall, and it would have concluded sometime in November. And he goes, and you've probably heard pastors say that, you've read commentaries write that, and, and it's something that just gets 
regurgitated. It's 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 stated because whoever it is you're hearing had heard it from someone else, who then heard it from someone else, that heard it from someone else. And if you press it and you're like, where do you really cite that? You're gonna find nothing. I can tell you from experience. I don't know the last time you were in uh, in Israel during Christmas time. Never been. But at most, it's not necessarily warm. But last time I was there on Christmas, it was just raining. Yeah. So Joe, that, like that was in, that was in Tel Aviv. So Joe, so, <laughs> Joe makes this comment. He goes, "I've been I've been in Jerusalem twice in December." He goes, "One time it was snowing. We had eight inches of snow in Jerusalem." He said, "And you know what? Who were out in the fields keeping watch over their flock? The shepherds." He goes, "Guess what?" It seems that the cold doesn't doesn't bother sheep because God gave them wool. <laughs> he gave them a blanket. They're not migratory animals that move south for the winter. Like they live in the area that they're in. He goes, I've personally seen shepherds in December. He goes, so the idea that like, oh, well, it couldn't be because they were in their fields. It's just not based in reality, which is just a very interesting thing. He then references... And I, I'm, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a few things correct here. Thomas Talley. So Thomas Talley is a professor. Uh, he's a professor of liturgics at the General Theological Seminary in New York. He passed away a few years ago. Professor Talley is the foremost scholar on the church calendar. So like dating, church calendar, how things uh, came to be. Um, he's written a book that's titled The Origins of the Liturgical Year. I've heard it's very boring. It it's, sounds boring. It's very academic. And again, this is a professor. Uh, admiratus to uh, uh, Notre Dame. Um, guy has quite quite a bio. Again, he is universally considered to be the, the foremost, the premier scholar when it comes to issues of the church calendar. Um, now, Thomas Talley completely challenges the secondary notion by which we reject December 25th being the birth of Christ. So, as I mentioned, legend has it, with very little substantiation, that Pope Julius I in 350 AD, kind of unilaterally, without any evidence, just declared December 25th to be the birth of Christ because he was wanting to Christianize a pagan um, religious holiday, whether it, whether it was the solstice or Saturnalia or whatever. Again, the merging of the church and state, that the church was like, hey, we need, to, we need to give a religious connotation for this pagan stuff happening because the pagan stuff's still going to happen, uh, so we just need to attribute it to something Christian, and that'll... That'll temper it down, which, again, as noted, didn't work. We have very little evidence that Pope Julius I actually did this. And Professor Talley actually references two things that are note. He says that what Pope Julius I was doing, if he did it, was the opposite. That what he was doing is he wasn't trying to Christianize pagan holidays he was trying to bring pagan traditions and holidays into what was already an accepted practice, practice Christian uh, holiday, that, that December 25th was actually the accepted day of Jesus' birth. 
And so he's bringing pagan traditions into it to try the opposite effect. Like it's it's the same goal, but the different angle. That it was already a Christian holiday that he tries to bring pagan stuff into it versus inventing a Christian holiday to 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 redefine a pagan paganism. To bring pagans into Christianity, not to make Christians more palatable to pagans. Exactly. And this is the foremost scholar on this. So I did some digging. He references that the actual first recorded mention of December 25th being the birth of Christ is actually found in 325 AD. So this is 25 years before Pope Julius that Christians were already celebrating the birth of Christ on December 25th. And the reference is Hippolaus of Rome, who was born in 170 AD, died in 235 AD. Hippolaus wrote, interestingly enough, a famous commentary on the book of Daniel. Um, Hippolaus is is kind of attributed to most of our modern understanding of Daniel's 70 weeks prophecy. Hippolaus, in his commentary of Daniel, places the birth of Christ on December 25th, recorded as early as 200 AD. And he's a, would be like a second generation Christian, mm-hmm. which means that, again, it's speculation. We don't have a mention in scripture, but you're starting to date things and you say, oh, well, December 25th was Pope Julius 350 AD. Arbitrary, no evidence. Well, then why was the church we know celebrating Christmas or the birth of Christ on December 25th and 325 AD? And why do we have reference to it in 200 AD? When you get that close back to the, the origins, you have like extreme weight to substantiate the legitimacy of the date. People say, well, it was the Roman holiday Saturnalia. Or was it? Because Saturnalia actually concluded two days before December 25th. So yes, there could have been a merging, but it was the merging of Saturnalia back to the 25th and not the other way around. Two days before the festival. So my my point... And so, okay, why do we celebrate Christmas? I think you could make the argument we celebrate Christmas because it was the birth of Jesus. Not not why do we, why should we? Okay, why should we? It's the birth of Jesus. Okay. I mean, again, you can make you can make an argument that all the the, the hubbub, the hibaloo, whatever you want to call it, around Christmas, Christmas trees and lights and this and that and what blah 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 blah. You can make the argument for that. I'd say enjoy that Christmas, the tradition, the holiday, you know. Christmas, she's got nothing to do with the birth of Jesus, um, et cetera, et cetera. But you can make the argument that still, nonetheless, you should celebrate the birth of Jesus on the 25th of December, because while we might not be able to say with with 100% accuracy that that's the day Jesus was born, again, Spurgeon's right, we don't know, but Spurgeon's wrong because of all of the dates on the calendar— that you can point to the birth of Jesus, there is more historical, a more, a more historically substantive arg- argument for December 25th than any other day of the year. It's uh, at least a 1 in 365 chance. A 1 in 365 <laughs> chance. I, mean, I think that's what I was getting at. Is like we, I think people, especially Christians, we fight about, is this a sin to celebrate it? Is it a pagan holiday? But we never ask the question, why should I celebrate Christmas? Well, is it any more of a sin than any other holiday to celebrate? Right, and I think that's what True, I'm getting right. at. And I think, you know, when I was doing that other podcast, I, I kind of 
the question that was posed was, is it a sin to celebrate Christmas? And then I, I posed the question, is Jesus's birth worthy enough to be celebrated? Okay, let, let, me, let me throw a wrinkle into this. So we can make the same arguments about Easter of all of the, the pagan imageries that have seeped their way into what we view as Easter. Easter bunny, eggs, fertility, all of that stuff, it's, it's clear pagan roots, etc. But as Christians, we accept Easter as being the res- our celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. Why? We do that because there is solid historical evidence because of the timing of the crucifixion and therefore resurrection of Jesus connected to the Jewish Passover. Now, there's some wonkiness about pinpointing the exact days that the Passover, because we're dealing with a Jewish calendar and how that rolls over, et cetera, which is why Easter changes every year, because we're actually connecting it back to Passover. And so we accept the Jewish idea of Passover, and then we go to that Sunday, Resurrection Day, um, and, and we do certain Easter things. But it's but but at the same time, why do we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus on Easter when there's all this pagan nonsense also associated with? It? Well, the reason we do that is because there's a, there's a historical um, argument that this is the day, a, a yearly commemoration. Now we should commemorate it every week. It's supposed to be a weekly commemoration. But if we're going to recognize one day, the day of the year that Jesus rose from the dead, um, there's, there is substance to that day. My argument is people have always been like, well, there's no reason for us to celebrate the birth of Jesus on Christmas because there's no historical argument. Some pope on an ego trip trying to do merging church with the state arbitrarily decided it. We should we can pick any day. In fact, I'll pick Christmas in July. You know, Well, no. Like, if you need an explanation or a reason or justification, you can make the argument that of all of the days of the year, there is more of a historical validity to Jesus being born on the 25th. Now, it's never mandated in the scriptures. It's not something we're supposed that we're told that we need to do. But if you're wanting to take a day of the year and, and, and recognize this great gift that God gave to a group of people that didn't deserve it, that, this, that, that, that God became flesh and dwelt among us. If you want to pick a day, my argument is that you, you're not going to find a date in the 365-day calendar apart from December 25th that has more historical validity. You know, and I can say one thing. like That makes sense. Did I articulate that, yeah. that right? Creighton, very, you're very kind good. of scrooge with this. Did I articulate that right? So I totally, I think you articulated your point very well. I think that you made a good argument for it being December 25th. I agree with you that we should celebrate the birth of Christ. I still think that Christmas is a garbage holiday because it's not about that at all anywhere other than at church on Sunday and here's in where, Christmas. Which is because what we should I, care about. And here's that's what we should I care about. And that's why I don't like it is that it's not but here's for, the most, for the vast majority of December. But here's where I'm thankful for the commercialism of it. Okay. I like this. Because let's, I let's, think I know where you're going, and I think see. it's a solid argument. Let's see. The commercial of them, uh, the commercialism of it. You has, get that has, one out. Right. <laughs> it has allowed it to spread throughout the, the world into places where it's not going to be, uh, be able to celebrate it other than it being commercialized. I remember being, and I've said this before. And you have. I, like being in the middle of a Chinese grocery store and hearing Go Tell It on the Mountain 
and during the Christmas songs being played and Christmas carols being played in this Chinese grocery store in a communist country, go tell it on mountain. Cause Jesus Christ is born. Like you, you don't get that any other chance other than this commercialized aspect of the celebration of the birth of Jesus. That is a solid and, argument. And I, I, I have am no rebuttal. And I think, I think it just goes back to the, the what the devil wants for evil it can be turned around and God uses it for good because you go anywhere in this world and there's going to be some semblance of Christmas. Like no matter, even in the Arab world, you go to Bethlehem, which is no longer 70 to 80% Christian. It's mostly Muslim now, but you know what? They're forced to celebrate Christmas because all the tourists. Mm -hmm. So at that moment in time, right. The irony, the irony in a Muslim country, right. But at that single moment in time, that single day, they are forced to recognize the, birth of a savior of the world that's a solid point i can't argue that and i think and i think as as christians that we we have a we have a part to play in this and i think that this contributes to your criticism creighton i think as christians we've allowed um i think we've bought in the lie that you know well it's not really about christ so we can see territory as opposed to my argument is like well wait a second what if that's a lie what if December 25th really is the birth of Jesus and everything we're seeing is Satan's strategy to distract right. from what it's what, about? What if we did what if we just didn't hold the line well enough? And we obviously we didn't. Right. Well, I don't know that it's about necessarily holding the line. I mean, that's what companies do. They just commercialize everything. And so I wouldn't hold that necessarily against the holiday or the spirit of Christmas. I mean, I don't know that I would put up a Christmas tree or all the decorations if I didn't have kids. Mhm. Maybe I would. Man, I remember I remember doing this. It was Christmas time, and I don't want to go into too much detail, but I was in a foreign country. Naturally. I was doing an English. I was doing an English. As you always are. <laughs> I was doing what we called an English corner or an English, a free English class. And naturally, I was going to do it on Christmas. And so I went through kind of the history of Christmas. And I got to the point of Jesus being born in the manger and who, who we believe Jesus was. And I remember saying, we believe that Jesus is the God of the universe chose down, chose, he was a King chose to become human and, and be born in a dirty piece of cave in, in the ground in a random boring city in, in the middle East. And I remember afterwards, this guy comes up to me and just goes, why, why would he do that? Mm -hmm. and, and so like it's, and you can share the gospel. Right. And I, and I think that's, that's the gist of it is, Satan forced the commercialism and naturally greed and, and the want of money as a business is naturally going to do is going to lean towards that corruption but, will corrupt. Like how lazy do Christians have to be to take this prime opportunity to not go after that instead of attacking this opportunity why not use it? Well, that's why that's that's one of the reasons that for for me, and the timing worked out well. Uh, it was it wasn't going to happen if we went to Israel, and then that changed the calendar. So I can't see why you wouldn't go to Israel. right. No, <laughs> well, I wanted to tour the tunnels of Gaza. Uh, just got dangerous. Um, You're not scuba certified. I'm not scuba certified, right? Um, but it just it worked out that I had like seven weeks. Uh, between the close of our series and judges and then what I want to do at the beginning of the year with Song of Solomon. And it was like, this is a perfect, this is like the perfect amount of time 
to do like an in-depth examination of the Advent, um, and and to and to bring in as as Christians, like okay, this is the time of the year people set aside; they're a bit more aware of it. Maybe people will come, um, and, and I hope my series has kind of opened the humanity and the realness and the relatability of the Christmas story, um, and, and kind of removed the 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 traditional nonsense or the commercialism of it. You know, I'm not doing like the the ten ways Jesus and Santa are, are BFFs. You know, um, they probably would be based on your story, though. That's well, true. Yeah. I mean, I, I like what you you. I think it was last last week's sermon where you focused on like Emmanuel. The whole reason why Joseph chose to go into it because he used that word. The the angel Gabriel used that word Emmanuel, and Joseph immediately knew who that was. Right. And so it, it's not just this 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 being God who's distant from us coming down here is this God who's constantly been here and documented throughout the Jewish history of coming in and saving the Jewish people. And he's not just some weakling, right? Yeah. It was some awesome God who has been with us. Right. And it's not just, Oh, God's with us. That's great. Right. No, it's it's like, it's, God is with us. Yo, and we're rolling a hundred thousand Assyrians in one night. One hundred eighty-five thousand. Right. Don't, don't and, dip him. And when you know, for for Joseph, who is put in a tough spot. Yeah. And and we don't get a whole lot about that. Is like, and, and to me, when I think about Christmas, is is Jesus's birth worthy to be celebrated? Which I totally agree. It is. The um. We need to rename you then, Scrooge. Disagree. <laughs> so uh, let me let me take a, a take the topic kind of a I think a logical step, not super relevant to you, Justin or Creighton. I think Isaac, you'll you'll relate to this. I think you know again, the holiday becomes becomes a tool. It's already engaging our, the imagination of our children, and it's a wonderful tool that as Christian parents we can use to teach our kids important things, not just, I'm going to say this, not just about Jesus, but I think Santa Claus can be a wonderful tool to teach us, to, to enable us to teach our kids a lot of things, a lot of important things about, about the Lord. And I say this, like, I'm not, again, we don't do the Santa Claus thing. like a lot of people do. And I'm, and I'm the guy that who's, whose wife has written a, uh, a best-selling book, uh, what was Amazon the name of it again? Christmas there it is. about Santa Claus. Um, uh, it's an Amazon uh, Amazon Christmas. It can be found on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Heard great things. Paperback, hardback, Kindle. It's all. It's all there. Um, you know, she did a book reading at a local elementary school and had a blast with it. And Heard it went well. Yeah, they've had her. They got her coming back to sign books for the kids. Yeah, she tried to get me to dress up as Santa to go there. And she uh, wanted you to be Santa and Creighton to be an elf. And you know what? I've already done that <laughs> once in my life. Absolutely. Not. And. The excuse they used to get me to be a mall Santa was it's for the orphans and that will only work one time. <laughs> only one time. But here's but here's here's my point. Like like you can use Santa Claus to to actually and go back to like who Santa Claus is. And heresy why, punching. Awesome. Heresy guy. punching, but why he gave gifts and the reason for that and who Santa Claus celebrated. Um I, my my exhortation though, when it comes to it all is ask your kid a simple question. Um, what is Christmas about? And if their answer is Santa Claus, then you have a problem. Mm. You have a problem. Because you're, 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 you're losing the opportunity to use Christmas for what it should be about. And that's about this great gift that God gave 
named Jesus and the implications of that. That doesn't mean that Santa Claus can't be a good second. And I think enjoy that. Have fun with that. There's there's a kids in their imagination go all out with Rudolph and Frosty. Like you, Frosty the Snowman can be a blast. You don't have to believe he's real for him to be a blast. Or Olaf. Um, you know, you can have fun with it. But if you ask your kids what, what is Christmas about and they say Santa Claus, you've missed an opportunity. Um, if you think I'm being judgy, well, then that, I'm just pricking your own conscience. Um, because you, you're you're losing the opportunity to emphasize something that that is so easy to emphasize. Yeah, Creighton. Practically. Your let boy me give doesn't you, have kids. Real quick, practically. Um, we, have, we have a nativity set with all the characters and whatnot. A, a really nice one. My dad brought, this was years ago, but he brought um, one made of olive wood. Uh, from Israel, um, and so it's it's set up on the mantle. It's a, it's a nice nativity set. Um, and, and our Christmas tradition, we get up um, and we breakfast as a family. Um, and and at some point, we'll let them do the stockings because they're itching to get into something, and you know you'd not want to torture them. But before we get to the gifts, so from breakfast to the the the, the stockings, whatever. Before we get to the gifts. We take down that nativity set, and with the little ones, it, it's it's fun. We move the characters about, and then I'll read, or Quincy, my son, now starts to read it. But we'll read the Christmas story as a family. And the little ones act out the characters, you know, as it's all happening. But we take a moment to just recognize what the morning's about, and to recognize this great gift that God has given, and then to say, hey, guys, this is why, this is what grace is about. You know, why do we give to each other? It's because God has given us everything. And it's a reciprocation of his love and his goodness. That's why we give to others. It's God's gift to us that flows out to to charity to one another. And that the gifts that were given you... Listen, I don't give Santa any credit for the gifts. The cake came from Dad. And the hard-earned money that the Lord gave me. um, That the Lord enabled me to provide for them. Like, this is all the Lord taking care of us and providing for us. And so, again, I think um, you can have a couple gifts from Santa under the tree. You can go to an AmazonChristmas.com, get labels specifically made for those boxes. Um, but at the same token, um, I think I think Christian parents, we, we seed such an, an easy teaching opportunity um, to really emphasize what it's really about. Not at the expense of Santa. Have fun with Santa. My wife grew up where uh, her dad would do like um, reindeer prints through the snow outside. I'm like, it was a whole thing, you know, but Jesus is the reason for the season. That's not a cliche. And my argument is he might be more of a reason for the season than you even imagined that he might've actually been born on December 25th. (laughs) Who would have thought, right? So any final thoughts, you guys, anything online first, anything on the internets? Um, my longtime buddy, Daniel, um, earlier on the show mentioned something about one of the Egyptian solstice holidays and also said he misses us. I miss you too, Daniel. I miss hmm. you, Daniel. Everyone misses you. Don't you don't know Daniel, but he lives, oh, yeah. he he lives in Oregon. Lives in Portland. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm sorry. He's the guy I went I'm to see. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, there's actually not a whole lot of evidence to support that theory. Which theory? The raw theory. Oh, is that the, that is the one he's talking about. Would you look at that? I don't know. I don't know anything about Egyptian 
There's actually um, almost no evidence to support that. That was mentioned in that video that you played. Yeah. 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 So. But yeah, that's the only I got. Uh, he says, I miss you. Love you guys. That's great. Love you, Daniel. Random dude. Daniel. Jump it on there. Much love, Daniel. Much love. <laughs> yeah. You got any final thoughts, Isaac? Well, I mean, definitely uh, pricked my conscience a little bit. I don't think that we take too much. We definitely don't do as much. We don't do what you do. Um, and there's more that we could do for sure in, in the realm of kind of connecting Jesus to the mm-hmm. holiday. I think if you asked my kids, they'd probably be a little bit more centered towards the gifts. Which and, the, and the gifts aren't a bad thing. They're I mean, not a bad thing. No, but not at all. They should be correlated to the gift that we all have, right? Yeah. But yeah, it's just hard because, and I understand why you don't like it because it's just a corporatist thing. I mean... Right. You know, I, I mean, it's been really co-opted. And then you look at, you know, all of the sales, like 50% off of, and we're, the price is going to be the same as it was last week. <laughs> consume, consume, consume. Exactly. It's just crazy. But yeah, it should be. It really should. I don't know. It's just fun. I like the lights, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's a good reason not to celebrate it. I mean, if you celebrate Halloween, if you even buy one pumpkin, you know what I mean? Like that seems Christmas. almost like the most so satanistic I, holiday of them all. Really. I'll tell you the angle that, that Jessica and I um, are, are, are trying to get better at and are kind of struggling through because, so when your kids are little, they can't buy anything. You know, it's, it's all what they're, what they're going to get. Yeah. Um, but at some point, again, just trying to, to carry forth the teaching opportunity a little further, you know, Quincy's 12 will be 12 Christmas Eve. You know, you're getting to the point where it's like, I need to start teaching my kids that it, that it's more blessed to give than receive. That's a biblical idea. Um, and they do like, like we, we'll go I, last year for the first time I took them uh, to target all three kids. We went to target and we picked out random, <laughs> random gifts for their mother, um, which were, I mean, they hit, you know, <laughs> every spectrum you can imagine, but I'll tell you like just watching it just as an experiment. They were more on the edge of their seat and, and and anticipatory when when mom was opening their gift than their own. Mm. Like like they enjoyed opening all their gifts. Don't get me wrong, but there was something unique that happened when it was like I went out and I picked this. I put some thought into this for my mom, mm. and now I'm watching her. And um, you know, and, and Jess did a great job of making sure that they knew. Like <laughs> it's like oh, great another coffee cup, sweet. But for her, like, she did a really good job of, like, and I'll never forget, my brother Nick, years ago, bought my mom, greatest mom in the world. It was the ugliest sweater you've ever seen in your life. And the moment my mom opened it, we all made fun of him, like, hard. That's my kind of sweater right there. Yes. I mean, it was, no, but this was before, like, ugly sweaters was were, were cool. This was like right. This was the '80s. This was mid '90s. It was just it was just Absolutely. bad sweaters. Every sweater in the '80s was pretty <laughs> yeah. It was pretty terrible. But I'll tell you, man, my mom wore that sweater until there was no threads left, and and my and I know that that mattered to my brother. Even even because we doubled down and just made fun of him for years. Um, yeah. But every Christmas she wore that sweater. Uh, she probably still has that sweater someplace because it mattered. And then that, but that was a lesson for my brother. A about ridicule, but also about um, about the, the 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 joy of giving. Mm-hmm. And so, hey, don't, man, don't. Th- it's not a judgment. We're all trying to figure out parenting. I feel judged. Good. 
But Excellent. You know, it's a funny story, actually. Today in the car, we were heading off to Fort Yargo, and Liam and I and I are in the car waiting for Alexis. And he's like, Dad, I can't wait to give you my gift. And he's right. like, Liam, the only thing that you have to give me is just, just, just be grateful, have a good attitude. And chocolate. Yeah, I'll definitely have some chocolate. It's <laughs> like, no, it's for everybody, but you guys are going to love it. It's a song. He's like, and they're singing too. And I was like, oh, I can't wait. And I was like, guess what I got you, buddy? I think I'm going to get you a song. And he's like, no. I don't want a song. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want I want to switch. I was that. like, so exactly. I was like, so a song's good enough for me, huh? So we have a internet comment. Yes, it is from. While Alexis. you're pulling that, while you're pulling up that, I just want to close this one thought, and and that is, um, you made the comment that it's hard. I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, is it really isn't. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. It isn't hard. Yeah. Like your kids, this is such an exciting time and they just need your direction on it. Um, the joy of, 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 of giving and, and receiving and how this ties in with Jesus and reading the story and, and, and the excitement of it. Um, it's not hard. Well, yes. Yeah, it so, just requires doing it really. Yeah. I have mm-hmm. personal, like, like I don't remember half of the stuff my parents have ever given me, but I remember the one year, like, Back in the 80s, when we were poor and had to live with my grandparents, my dad built us a wagon. I remember getting that wagon. I remember getting this slide my dad built because we didn't have they didn't have money to, mm-hmm. to buy stuff. Because there were 15 of you. There was only like three of us then, or two of us. <laughs> but my, my point is but, sometimes, sometimes we as parents put such a such a, an, an unrealistic burden. When the kids are like, this is easy. <laughs> like, it's really, it's not as hard as you think. So, apropos of nothing, our comment on YouTube is from Alexis. And she <laughs> says, speak for yourself. We talk about it all the time in school together. There you go. There you go. Your wife threw you <laughs> under the sleigh. Sure under did. the sleigh. Under the so sleigh. So, my question is, Alexis going to be singing the song with your son? Probably not. No, I think it's a. I think it's Liam's present to the to the family. Oh, okay. I, I I can't. You need to record this, and I I need to see this. Right. So maybe yeah. Alexis can can perform it in front of the church. No, that that was not an option. <laughs> we did. We were not volunteering her for that. Um, a spice Daddy, you got any final thoughts? We need. We gotta. We gotta bounce. I, I guess the the one I left with in the, the other podcast is like I think Jesus's birth is worthy to be celebrated. I agree. Agreed. Scrooge, what you got? Um, love your kids, love Jesus. I hate Christmas, but I love Jesus. So <laughs> there you go. Cool. There you go. Well, quick before we get out of here, quick programming note: uh, we will be back Wednesday night uh, next week for the final episode of the year, um, and then we'll be taking the Wednesday between Christmas and New Year's. We'll be taking that Wednesday off, but then we'll be back on the third of January. Uh, for a special 2024 edition. And so uh, make sure to be with us next week. Uh, You have been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. Uh, This is a podcast, the videoing of a podcast. We stream it live. You can listen to it on Thursdays, Apple, Google, Spotify. If you're listening, uh, check out the the live stream. Again, we live stream to YouTube as well as to Facebook. Uh, You can join us next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Put a face to the voice and, uh, and then join the conversation, which is always great. 
Uh, my name is Zach Adams. I'm Pastor Calvary 316, and I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. God bless.